Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The book of Proverbs in the Bible is really kind of an interesting one, and I find that it gets treated differently than just about any other book of the Bible. When you go to hotels, if anybody ever has done that recently, you would often find those Gideon Bibles packed in the dresser there by the bed. And very often, it would have the New Testament, and then only two books of the Old Testament were a part of that Gideon Bible. One would almost always be the book of Psalms, but then the other book was the book of Proverbs. See, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. I guess the thought is that it is a book that is immediately accessible and applicable to people who don't even know the story of the Bible very well. Billy Graham used to say that he would read one chapter of Proverbs a day. That's how important it was to his own life. And I guess that's true, isn't it? That wisdom is important that wisdom is desirable, that it's something that everybody wants. And so putting it right there, front and center for people to find, it it scratches an itch, doesn't it? I know that as a parent, this is something that I have discovered very quickly, that wisdom is a trait that I greatly desire. In fact, I have found more often than not, I have started to recite the wisdom of my own parents, that I sound an awful lot like my mom and my dad in things that I say to my children. Why? Because I want to pass on that wisdom, that wisdom that I learned I want to give to them. And so I say things to them that my parents would obviously have said to me, be kind to other people. Be respectful to your elders, and, and so forth and so, and so on. I have, over the years, even added a few proverbs of my own. Things like, don't chase parked cars, and don't eat the yellow snow. Maybe my parenting proverbs aren't very profound, but I think you get my point. There is this gift of wisdom that I feel that I have that I want my children to have as well. I want them to be known as wise and understanding as they live through this world. I don't want them to make a lot of silly mistakes if wisdom could be an antidote to that, a way for them to live without running into all of those problems. Well, that brings us to our Old Testament reading. Because as I said at the beginning of the service, you can't really think about the topic of wisdom without thinking about a man named Solomon. See, Solomon in the Old Testament was the third king of Israel. First there was Saul, and then there was King David, and after David was his son Solomon. And unlike those previous kings, Solomon entered into his reign with an absolute optimism that was not matched by any of the kings before and maybe not even matched by any of the kings afterward. You might remember there was that time when King David had come to Jerusalem. He had made it his capital and he wanted there to build a house for the Lord. And God told him, David, 
You will not build a house for me. Rather, I will build a royal house for you and for your offspring. You see, David, I promise that I will set your son on a throne to a kingdom that will have no end, to a kingdom that will go on and on forever. And so I think when King Solomon, David's son, took the throne, he couldn't help but be attached to that promise. He couldn't be He couldn't help but be attached to that hope and optimism. What would it mean that King David's son has now come to the throne? What would this world be like? What would his kingdom be like? And so it's then, at the very beginning of Solomon's reign, that the Lord comes to Solomon. See, Solomon had come to Gibeon to make sacrifices to the Lord, and the Lord, in response, comes to Solomon as well. He sees Solomon as a man who is after the Lord's heart, who is faithful to him. And so the Lord says to Solomon, Solomon, ask for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Now, in that moment, Solomon could have asked for anything right? That was a blank check. This was like the story of Aladdin, having that magic genie. What is it that you desire? He could have asked for more wishes. He could have asked for more money, more power, a long and healthy life, a large family. But he didn't ask for any of those things. King Solomon, when faced with that that granting that God gave to him, that gift, Solomon asked for wisdom. He asked for a discerning heart to know what is right and to be able to follow it. Because David, uh, rather Solomon knew that his father, David, was a man after God's own heart. But that didn't stop David from being completely unfaithful. Even though he was a man after God's own heart, he sometimes lacked discretion. He sometimes made very unwise decisions. And so Solomon, I think, sees that he can do better, that he can be faithful to the Lord if only he had that wisdom, that he could lead God's people in a way that was according to what God wanted if he knew what was right and wrong. And so God granted Solomon's desire. God saw that it was good. And in fact, God said, because you didn't ask for those other things, but asked for wisdom, I will not only give you wisdom, but I will give you those other things as well. And so maybe you know some of the stories of Solomon's life. Maybe you know that the book of Proverbs is connected to Solomon, that he becomes associated with wisdom because he lived it out in such a way. You see, People, even in Solomon's day, who did not live in his kingdom of Israel, but lived far off, they heard about Solomon's great wisdom, and they sought it out. They came to Solomon, even when it meant traveling from afar, to learn how he had that wisdom, to ask him some of those puzzling questions, and to hear his answers. That'd be awesome if that was all of Solomon's story. But we know it doesn't always go well for Solomon. That even though he has that gift of wisdom, it seems that there are times that he doesn't follow it. It seems that there are times when his discernment grows rather fuzzy. See, Solomon seeks to expand his kingdom. And so we might wonder, 
maybe his eyes have swerved from that discernment which only God gave to his own desires. He wanted to preserve that kingdom. Maybe he was thinking of those promises that God made to King David. And Solomon was trying to guarantee that his kingdom would last forever. But that wasn't what God had in mind. But nevertheless, Solomon took matters into his own hands. He made alliances with a number of the kingdoms around him. And when he did that, he took foreign women as a part of his own harem to be his wives, his wives. And Solomon amassed hundreds of wives over the years. And through that, Solomon started to stumble. His faithfulness to God was tested and Solomon failed the test. Solomon might have still listened to the Lord, but he was now listening to all of these other foreign gods as well and giving them his worship. He was allowing that worship to happen in his land, a land that should have only been devoted to the one true God. And so Solomon, in the end, that wisdom failed him. Or maybe it's better to say that Solomon failed that wisdom, that Solomon had that gift that, the God, that God had given to him, but he left it. He didn't exercise it. He did not use it. And so Solomon, that king of wisdom, became a king of fools. And the story, it just went on and on from there. The kings who followed after him, they, they didn't really do any better than Solomon. They didn't do better than David. They didn't do better than Saul. Some were faithful to a degree, but they all had their faults. They all had their points where they failed the Lord, where they weren't completely faithful. They might have just been more faithful than the king before or after them. And so it seems that that dynasty would never produce the king that God was talking about. Until you fast forward. Fast forward past the Old Testament to that line of kings that seems to get broken when the kingdoms fall apart, and you discover in the Gospels a very different king. To be sure, at this early stage, not very many people recognized him as king, but that's who Jesus was. Jesus came as the king of all kings, the son of David, from that line of David. But Jesus was also the Son of God. And so Jesus would live in a way that none of those other ancestors lived. He would be faithful to God. He would be obedient to God. He would see what the Lord wanted, and he would devote himself to it completely. There would be no turning aside. There would be no stumbling. He would simply pursue what God had given him to do. And so that's what we hear about in our gospel reading today. Now, granted, it's a story when Jesus is only 12 years old, but here we see that even at this age, Jesus's life is very different than his peers. Jesus is after a very different mission than everybody around him, and even his parents don't completely understand it. Mary and Joseph, it seems, lost Jesus. It would appear that Jesus was disobedient to his parents because when they visited Jerusalem and were then going back to their home, Jesus stayed. 
He stayed there in the temple to talk with the rabbis, to talk with the teachers of the day, to continue in his growth, in his learning and his understanding of the Lord's words. But Mary and Joseph didn't know that. And so they had to circle back to find Jesus. And they're a little disappointed. They think that Jesus has disobeyed them, but Jesus has a lesson to teach them. Jesus has a little bit of wisdom to give to them. Mary, Joseph, Mom, Dad, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Yes, it's true that Jesus would honor his parents, that he would be obedient to them. But above and beyond that, Jesus must be obedient to his heavenly father's will. And so in our gospel reading today, we have a picture that is really impossible for us to understand, that Jesus became like us that he had to learn how to speak. He had to learn how to read and write. He had to grow in wisdom. And yet, at the same time, Jesus is wisdom incarnate. Jesus is that eternal wisdom that has always been with his heavenly Father. There's There's a mystery here in that gospel reading that none of us can understand, but we can look at it and simply be in awe. Be in awe of who Jesus is, that he must grow in wisdom, that he becomes like one of us. But at the same time, we must be in awe of the wisdom that he displayed. See, Jesus was there talking to the teachers of the law, the teachers of scripture of his day, and they were blown away. They weren't just blown away at his questions, at the things that Jesus was asking. Luke tells us that they were blown away with his answers. In other words, Jesus didn't just come to the conversations and ask questions. It's like he knew. He knew what scripture was about. And so his questions were not merely for his own information, but were meant to lead and guide others, to lead and guide the teachers of God's word in that word. And Jesus would continue to do that. We see Jesus here at age 12, but we know that when he begins his ministry around the age of 30, that wisdom has grown deep in him. And Jesus begins his public ministry. Everybody's amazed. They're amazed not only with his wisdom, but they're amazed with the authority that Jesus has. See, all of the other rabbis, all of the other teachers, they would show off their wisdom by reciting the traditions of their elders going back from generation to generation. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus taught with his own wisdom, with his own authority. Jesus would say, you have heard others say this, but this is what I tell you. And Jesus, he showed the wisdom to them. He told them that the wisdom of God, it boils down to this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. Because that's what Jesus did. See, Jesus didn't simply learn wisdom. He didn't simply teach wisdom. He lived out that wisdom. And he did so in such a way that confounded everybody of his day and still does to our own time. Because Jesus revealed to us the true wisdom of God. And he showed us that the wisdom of God doesn't always line up with the wisdom of this world. 
Because Jesus showed us that God's ultimate plan is revealed in the cross. The cross. The cross is foolishness. Foolishness to the world. It was to the Jews and Gentiles of Jesus' day, and it is to ours as well. Because we think about pursuing God's kingdom, we think about the glory, we think about the power, we think about how that kingdom will never end, and Jesus shows us that kingdom leads to the cross. It leads to shame. It leads to death. It leads to rejection by the powers of this world. That's foolishness, we think. But it's there in the cross that God's wisdom truly is revealed. You see, I think the problem, going back to Solomon, is this. That when others thought of wisdom as something desirable, something to be sought after, they always thought of wisdom as a what? A thing that they could possess, a thing that they could have. But by understanding the course of wisdom throughout Scripture, I think we would do better to understand that wisdom is not a what. Wisdom is a who. Wisdom is shown to us in Jesus. God's wisdom is shown most clearly in Jesus, in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, in his promise to return. Jesus is there the fullness of God's plan of salvation for you and for me. And I think Solomon understood this. I think in Solomon's long life, he made mistakes. He chose the wrong path from time to time. But in the end, Solomon understood it when he said this, the beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Maybe in our words, fear of the Lord isn't something we can really grasp onto. So maybe think of it this way. The beginning of wisdom is faith in Jesus. You see, you and I, we see wisdom as something desirable. We want to live our lives according to wisdom. We want to pass that on to our kids as well. But sometimes we think of wisdom as a what? As something that we can possess, something that we can have, something that we will pass on to other people. It's this thing that's not ours. When in reality, wisdom is a who. Wisdom is Jesus. And by the wisdom of Jesus, we see all of God's gifts given to us. See, we're trying to hold on to the things of this world, but if we would look at the wisdom of Jesus, we would look to the cross and we would see there at the cross, at this most foolish place of all, are all God's gifts. And they're given to us freely. They're given to us in abundance. There is no scarcity there, but God gives to us forgiveness, his grace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives us that gift of everlasting life. It's all there. A king's wisdom, it's not found in Solomon. It's found in Jesus. And so in this new year, as you're thinking about what lies ahead, as you're thinking about wisdom and how to live your life according to it, as you're thinking about what you can pass on to your kids, 
pass on Jesus. Live by Jesus. Live by faith in him. He gives the wisdom that we seek. And what is more, when we seek after Christ, when we seek after his kingdom, all the other stuff falls into place. That's the richness and the generosity of our Heavenly Father at work. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen.